Let me see you put them up. Reach the sky, touch the stars up above, cause it's one time for the underdog. One time for the underdog. There are a lot of things that we grew up with and we say, you know, I wish I had this, I wish I had that. What if I had this? What if I was taller? What if I had more money? What if I was growing in this family? I want you to think about if you were born without any arms and any legs, what would you do? What would you be thinking about? That's exactly how Nick Vujicic was born and you need to hear what exactly he ended up doing with the 34 years of his life. So far in the first 34 years of his life, you will be blown away. So the last time we met, it was 0708. We had lunch here. I think it was in Woodland Hills. It was in uh, uh, some steakhouse that you like. So okay. I went to the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Yes. Nice. Yes. And then uh, <laughs> you were, I said, so Nick, what's next for you? You said, Pat, I want to get married. I think at that time you were 23 or 24. You yep. said, I want to find a wife. I want to have kids. I want to do this. I want to do that. And at that time you had just spoken in front of 60 some thousand people. And, and now fast forward today, you've been married six years. You have four kids, a five-year-old, I think she's a two-and-a-half-year-old, and an eight-week twins. Yes. The two girls that you got yes, now. Yes, yes. And so it seems like your life, you know, you just spoke in front of 800,000 people in Ukraine. A lot of people want to speak in front of an audience of 5,000 or 10,000. 800,000 live people in live, Ukraine. straight up. 50, so we got, we, 52 million people watching on, on 26 countries, 20, 20 languages. Unbelievable. My palms are sweaty a little bit. Honestly, right, so we got to show that picture if you haven't already, Paul. So, <laughs> Bro, so, it's an honor to be here. Brother, are you kidding me? The honors, are, it's, uh, it's mine. I love so, you. What has happened? Just kind of give us an update on what's been happening with Nick the last decade. You know, I, I realized that there was a season of my life where I'm just saying yes to every opportunity that opened. And to want to reach the world, you just do what you can and do what you have to do to the point where I really had to start saying no and and realizing every time you said yes to something you're saying no to something else so strategically and going to a point in my life where I could not sustainably uh, go on a plane as often as I am and really enjoy life I was just going going and I love what I do I wouldn't change a thing but uh, I did hit burnout in 2011 uh, and it was a good thing and I wanted to slow down and really look at quality instead of quantity because reaching 8 billion people in the world which Google says by 2026 will happen I bought 8billionsouls.com.org that's the dream you gotta be kidding no me. I'm not joking uh, <laughs> but you're not gonna do it from stage to stage so you gotta be innovative creative leveraging technology so partnerships yep. and so we've slowed me down physically but now we're reaching like never before, just masses uh, with, with positivity, values and attitudes and just it's been an incredible journey so far. That, that is great. Congrats to all the victories. And I know Thank you. Uh, back in the days you were, what was the number, 320 days a year you were on the road. Today it's not like that. So if there's any companies out there, if you're looking for somebody, you get Nick. I mean, whether it's a six-figure check or whatever you'll be paying. Your audience will leave so fired up if you get Nick to your event. That's one thing to be keeping in mind. And I vouch for that. Thank this you. is purely experience from ourselves. Thanks, but Nick, why, why don't we get into it? And I think what, what I liked about you when you walked away is sometimes us human beings, we have so many insecurities, okay? We have so many fears. We have so many things that uh, prevent us from being authentic or prevent us from just being ourselves because we don't believe being ourselves is sufficient enough or good enough or some of it is mental issues that we keep a secret some of it is emotional some of it is scars 
Some of it is physical. I wish I was taller. I wish I was bigger. I wish I was stronger. I wish I was prettier. I wish I was skinnier. I wish there's always these things, right? Totally. And I think the thing I got from you that you helped shape my mindset back in the days is listen, the sooner you accept you, and I just looked at you, I said, I've never seen somebody who accepted themselves as much as you, and you seem like you were so happy. So maybe walk me back and tell me how to thinking, were you always like that or was there a difficult time that you had to overcome to get to this point? 100%, look, uh, before I went to school, I, I knew I had no arms and legs. I, I noticed that, but I didn't think it was a big deal. You know, in our European family, 24 first cousins, we just played and we interacted and cousins. Nikki was Nikki, right? But when I went to school, and people would look at me and stare at me and react, and then I would notice that, and then they would tell me things, and I'm like, well, wait a second, why are you judging me? Why are you putting me down? Like, just because I look different? I'll never forget somebody who came up, and, and, I, and I thought he looked a little funny. And I'm like, but why are you picking on me? Like, I could pick on you. And, and I'm like, it's not about how weird or different or unique we are. It's about who we are on the inside. It's not about the skin. It's the uniqueness and different person I am and, and what I can offer. And when you judge someone by the cover um, and you don't open the book, you, you miss out on a good friendship. And so I, I, I was um, dealing with bullying and bullying has always been around. You know, when you have a disease that has one door into the room, only so much of the disease can come into the room. Mm. Now with social media, there are eight times more doors to come in, culturally more acceptable. Media makes that even more acceptable. It's just how it's always been. Bullying is rampant. And in America, I've been able to speak in front of three million teenagers in the public school system on live you stream. Be kidding me. No, Pence put it wow. in Indiana as an example. And we've actually done in front of 290 schools anonymous surveys. And I ask them sensitive questions. I get them to bow their head, close their eyes, put their hands in a fist if they say yes to my questions. And the questions include, have you thought of suicide, attempted suicide, attempted suicide because of a broken home or attempted suicide because of bullying at school. 40% wow. of attempted suicide in America is because of bullying. 40% of attempted suicide in America For is teenagers. because of bullying. Yep, at, at school. Wow. And 40% because of a broken And home. by the way, you said Pence really quickly. Pence is, you know, Vice President Pence. You were just with the President recently. I was. President Trump, and you were talking about uh, anti-bullying. So Correct. this this has become a national thing that you're influencing now. So so let me ask you, when you talk about suicide, are you, uh, 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 are you feeling like you make that connection faster because it was a point in your life when you were bullying like this, where you were having some strange thoughts in your mind and you're talking to your parents and maybe not even anybody? Can you talk about, like, how, how was yeah. that moment? Look, uh, loneliness is common to all, and I really felt like I was a burden to my parents. I felt like I'd never get a job, never wow. get married. I thought even if I got married, can't even hold my wife's hand. Even if I had kids, I can't even hold them when they're crying. Uh, today, my sons, if they cry, they hold me. Today, I don't need to hold my wife's hand. I hold her heart. You don't need arms and legs for that. And so because I know that I was on the brink of giving up and I actually attempted suicide at age 10. Now, bro, I had a loving home. I had a loving home. Wow. And that was the only thing that stopped me from going through with drowning myself in my bathtub. The fact that you had a loving home. The fact that I had a loving home. Half this country doesn't have one. There are 300,000 foster kids looking for a home. There are 100,000 of them looking for adoption. Think of those kids. 
And we America, we think of the international missions, we have people in our own backyard who have never experienced love. And so what changed my life was when I was able to think to myself at age 19, when someone said, thank you for sharing what you shared. No one's ever told me that they love me. No one's ever told me that I'm beautiful the way that I am. That's when I knew that I was born to be a speaker because if I wasn't told that, I wouldn't be here. So sometimes you have to save a life before you save a soul. And for me, being a kid at age eight, depressed, lonely, feeling helpless and Anybody hopeless. Anybody knew that or no? When, which one? At eight, like did people know you were going through this? Or you, on the outside you're happy, on the inside you I didn't tell my parents that I attempted suicide till age 21. Oh my gosh, so from 10 you held it back. Late, I held it back, I never told anybody. So everything is good on the outside, everybody's happy, no one knows, you're, you're holding it inside. So I had, I had a depression between ages eight and 12 and attempted suicide right in the middle. And then the first turning point, which was awesome. I don't know about you. I have a, an assumption you like soccer. Yes. I love soccer. I'm, I can't wait for the World Cup. I hurt my little foot playing soccer to the point that I couldn't walk. In bed for three weeks, looking at the ceiling and thinking, man, I will never be angry about having no arms and legs. I am thankful for my foot. And my parents always said, do your best and he does the rest. And so with that faith, love and encouragement, I pushed through 15 years old. I felt like I found the truth of my value and my purpose. And I realized that beautiful things can come from your broken pieces when you give your broken pieces a chance. And when you don't get a miracle, you can still be one for someone else. Oh my gosh, like those words, you know. You know, we think we have excuses and stuff and we complain about things and you, here you come and you completely uh, take everything away. Why don't we go back sure. as a parent? I have a mm. six-year-old, I have a four-year-old, and I have a 22-month-old. Congrats. Okay. I can't wait for you to see them when you come to Dallas. Can't wait. So, so as a parent, when you were going through these moments, loving family, family of faith, so when you're going through those moments, what was the conversation that your mom and dad were having with you? Meaning, were they actually addressing the issue or were they actually taking the approach of, you know, you're normal like everybody else. It's okay, you don't need to worry about it. What, what approach did your loving parents take with you that was effective? First of all, they said, don't worry about what anyone else says. You're beautiful and we love you always. Wow. And you're special. And I'm like, but I don't wanna be special. <laughs> well, you know, don't worry, there's a greater purpose for your life. We don't know what that is yet. And I'm like, okay. Um, and I would hold it back. Um, there was a time when, uh, just before the attempted suicide, um, that I actually told my brother, I'm going to commit suicide. I'm going, and he was only eight at the time. And so I was 10, he was eight. And uh, I said, I'm gonna end my life uh, after university because I just couldn't see life after university. And maybe wow. I could go to education because I was at school. And so he said, that's it, I'm gonna tell dad. And my dad comes in, who's sadly not here with us anymore. He, he went home uh, to heaven last year. But I'll so never forget that, thank you. He came in and uh, he was putting his fingers through my hair and saying, son, what's, what's this I hear about you wanting to give up? And I explained, I said, dad, I, I don't want to burden you. I don't, I don't want to be here if I can't help myself. And he said, don't worry. I said, who's going to look after me when you and mom are gone? I don't want to burden Aaron at age 10. And he said, don't worry, it's going to be okay. God has a plan and we love you. Don't think of that, just keep going. And so they did address it, but they, I hid it from them very well. 
So it was more like, don't worry about it, keep going. You know what he said to me? <laughs> he said, Nick, you weren't given arms and legs, but you have a brain. So use your brain. Start a, a company, start a financial planning company, be a stockbroker, be an accountant, get employees, and those employees can be your hands and feet. You know how old I was when he told me that? Six. Oh my God. And when I wanted something from the store, they said, no, make money and buy it yourself. Your brother makes money by taking out the trash, figure it out. So I vacuumed the floor, made $2 a week, and it taught me Thanksgiving. It taught me how to save. It taught me a decision filtering process. It taught me dignity. I had dignity. I could do something and I could be on the same level as my brother. And the coolest story, I know I want to share this for all the parents watching, the wisdom that my parents had is unbelievable. One day I was trying to get something off the bookshelf. I couldn't reach it, crying, Ma, help me. She says, no, figure it out. Get it yourself. I'm thinking, man, you're mean. <laughs> wow. And I'm like, please, says, no, try, wow. try. How old were you at this time? I, I was six. Wow. Six or seven. And I thought, man, that I'm looking around and I see a footstool like an ottoman, you know, at the couch where you mm -hmm. put your feet up. Mm -hmm. I drag it with my teeth, push it with my shoulders in front of the bookshelf. I jump on the ottoman, use my head and my shoulders along the bookshelf column to get upright and then grab it with my teeth and a light bulb went off i don't know what's impossible until i figure Isn't out what is possible and that amazing so the parenting of that it's unbelievable let me ask you have you ever done a program on parenting like things on parenting? is there a book on parenting or something like that to experience what your parents did not yet i, I personally feel unqualified my, my dad did his book about parenting okay i didn't do a book on parenting because i don't feel qualified yet with only a five-year-old but my dad did a beautiful book i'm on the front cover on a skateboard called raising the perfectly imperfect child and all the principles that he did wow. as a parent for me is applicable for any parent of any child. And he talks about it in that book. He shared his I whole want to read story. That book. I, I'm curious it's, to read that book. It's incredible. He just finished it before he got his ca a cancer diagnosis in September 2015. And he passed away last he year. Passed away in May 2017. Wow. Let's get a picture and put that cover up there as well. Yeah. That is just. Yeah. I, I want to know like what he's yeah. thinking to be able to because sometimes you as a parent you're feeling bad am i being a bad parent so the struggle is also internally did your mom feel like what a jerk you're being to your son and saying this why don't you go pick it up and do this <laughs> no. you know they they came back from the same cloth they they were immigrants very poor immigrants in from, australia from former yugoslavia to australia so my dad had three jobs he voluntarily started a church and counseled people on his own time and then my mom was a full-time nurse they went into real estate, they made some money on land that yeah. then enabled them to buy their house that we had with heated flooring for me in a very cold city in Melbourne, Australia. So then I could walk on the floor, otherwise it's too cold. So they sacrificed so much, but the amazing thing about my father and my mother was when they were home and they played with us, they were there mentally and emotionally. From swimming, soccer, playground, beach, uh, just we always knew that when dad was home and he had time for us, he was there. And we focused on that time more than the time that he was not away. Incredible. So, Nick, someone looks at you and says, okay, you have no arms, no legs. <clears throat> what activities have you done? 
physically is not. I'm, I'm talking about like you I'm know, just I, thinking I, I, like I've seen it. I've where seen do some, I start? Tell, tell me, you know, seriously, because <laughs> have I've you done skydiving, bro? I have not. Oh my gosh! You've done skydiving. Okay, but I have to say, I did it before I had kids. I would never do it again. <laughs> never. Because, I think it's insane to jump oh, okay. out of a plane yeah. now. But when you don't have children, you're like, let's do it. So I actually, my first time was with my wife jumping out of a plane. Uh, I think we were dating at the time. I don't think we were fiancés at the time. And uh, it was her second jump. She's a she's an adrenaline thrill seeker. She had the she is, she's a, So we did, and I got on the floor, and I'm, I'm going to do this every single year. Um, but I uh, changed my mind after that. Uh, so skydiving, uh, scuba diving, I do golfing. Uh, just putting, that's the, the, the most important part of golf. That's right. So I, I love all that. I love soccer, but I, I do like recreation a lot, just being outdoors and or being at home. And so I was able to drive a car two years ago, which is really, really cool. Uh, there's a Van Nuys-based company that does those sorts of controls. Mm-hmm. I was on a normal road with lots of cars, 40 miles an hour. Uh, it and was, you were driving. I was driving all by myself. It was spectacular. It, wow. was, it was a dream come true since I was 12 or 13 years old. I just didn't feel like the risk was worth the return. Then I thought, well, I love boating. I'm going to get then a boat and I'm going to drive a boat. Because if you make a mistake on the water, it's not that You're bad. You're forgiven, yeah. By the time I got a boat, then I found out we ended up not just with two sons and we got to double down. We got <laughs> two guys. I'm like, you can't take all of them with a boat. That's nuts. And so uh, we we, we got rid of the boat and now the dream is, you know, like one of those utility vehicles, like like ATVs, quads kind of thing, Mm -hmm, but the mm -hmm. one where you actually have bucket seats uh, and there's two seats in it or four seats in it uh, and you go off terrain, I'm going to drive one of those. Uh, so we're modifying one of those now, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So you're just testing everything. You're just trying to kind of get a flavor for it. That's it. And you can't do everything, and that's not where my joy is. It's not in doing everything. It's finding out it, as your life seasons come and go, how do you most effectively always make sure to never let the good and excellent things distract you from the most important things? And the most important thing for me is to be there at home with my family and then number two, reach the world. So how do we then bring in the passions and the fun, all excitement together, where we can all do something and I don't need assistance from other people. So that's that's my sweet spot. That's interesting. And it was interesting you saying earlier while we were talking, you said, Pat, I'm, I'm now, you know, scheduled, you know, I, I'm not doing 320, I'm yeah. doing five 84, business. 84 days on the road instead of 320. Now, right 84 now. to 320. And it'll be 70 next year. Wow, so it's you're possible. trying to get it lower and lower <laughs> Wait, to- 70 is gonna be our I mean, spot. you know, some people are still gonna say 84 is a long time. You know, it's still 25% of the year that you're gonna be gone. But so, it's not like you are not, you know, working your, you know, butt off going on the road. You're still really driving the things that you're doing, but you're figuring out the balance now that you got the kids to uh, be right. able to spend time there as well. Right. That's, that's Coming from 320, 80 is good and oh 70 is sweet. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? No, believe me, I understand being on the road and having kids. I, I, but I, it's it's a sacrifice that also my wife partakes in. That's huge, the big part, partnership. Huge. But so when, talk about that. Why don't you talk about before you were getting married, okay? Yeah. And you guys were in, in court, you know, you're talking to each other. Yeah. You know, you said before fiance, you're jumping out of a plane. So obviously you've had some intense conversations. 
How deep did you go into conversations about, listen, if we decide to do this, here's what we're going to be doing. This is what I want to do. What do you want to do? What were those talks about? First of all, my parents said, do you realize that he has no arms and legs? Your parents asked her without, in front of you. Without me there, which made me, I was pissed. <laughs> I was like, how did you corner her? They got me out and I'm like, what? She said, yeah, I realized. She, they said, do you, what if, what if your children happen to have no arms and legs? She says, well, even if all five of our kids have no arms and legs, at least they have a great example to live by. We, at, she said that. That's, she said five, so you got five. one more. I don't know what's, where the one, maybe foster. She was just okay. rocking our babies half asleep. She said, baby, maybe we should do foster babies. I'm like, whoa, you superwoman. We, we knew that we were both going to explore a new territory. I didn't exactly know how it would look like. At the time when I was a bachelor, I had a caregiver stay in. They're not going to be there when we get married. We don't know a lot. But their family, her family, embraced me. And that's a big part. Uh, that was a big thing for me. Because the, the other serious, the only other serious relationship I had they did seven not. years prior, they did not. Wow. And I waited for many years and they never came around. Um, and so it was up to her, her family or me, and she chose family. And so to have her family then, Kanae's family, yeah. except straight up was amazing. Um, and, you know, we, we were getting to know each other. <clears throat> that was while 320 was happening, okay? So you're only back 40, 40 I'm days I'm still at year. 320. Wow. Okay, so I'm on the road. Yeah. She was in Dallas. She lived in Dallas. And I have a nonprofit, Life Without Limbs, and I was learning a lot about the nonprofit, and I didn't want to ask people for money for the nonprofit. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm going to start six businesses with a quarter of a million dollars cash. I'm going to get six people to manage them all, and we're going to make money, and we're going to self-sustain our own nonprofit. That was the goal. I did it while we were dating. Big risk, bro. Big risk. Took it, revenues were late, expenses were higher, uh, some revenues never came, some projects never were finished. Someone took advantage of me of 50,000 G, uh, 50, 50 G at the time. Cash flow crisis. Stopped four projects, only finished two, and I lost all my money. This is why you're dating. This is what three months into, into our relationship. Interesting. 12 weeks. I had panic attacks for 30 days straight. I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep, I wasn't myself. I was, what? Because I was so on that treadmill. Bro, I was on a plane every third day for four years straight. I wanted off the treadmill. Bang, hit a brick wall, depressed, canceled contracts, couldn't speak, very hard. And then when I finally told my, my wife what happened, I said, babe, I lost all my money. She said straight up, don't worry, I'm not going anywhere. I'll get a nursing job and support the both of us. And that's when I knew. This is it. She's the one wow. within three months. Nine months later, popped the question. Um, I had, had her feed me the cream puff with the ring inside. <laughs> and I said, baby, let me kiss your hand. I go, mwah, 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 mwah. And I went down on her ring finger. And she thinks that I'm getting kinky on her. I pull back and she sees the ring. And we got married six months later at Palos Verdes. And, uh, I see, yeah. Yeah. And That's then, cool. Yeah. Four kids later in six years.
She's she's the most incredibly inspiring person ever. She's How'd you guys meet? Greatest hero. At a speaking engagement in Dallas. At a speaking engagement in Dallas. It was a vision casting night for the nonprofit, and she was one of the 20 people there. My dream was to meet Sir Richard Branson. Mm -hmm. I only said it once on YouTube. Someone saw that and said, I'll make that happen. So I went there and I flew my brother from Australia to come meet them. When I met them, there was a group of people at our table, happened to be my wife's former boss where we became friends. She came to the vision casting night who lived in Dallas, who brought my wife along and it was love at first sight, couldn't feel my legs. So this is it. This is this is this is like a that's real That's the story. There's story. a book on that so, one. No, that, that's a that's a real cool story right there. So okay, so now let's go from there to uh, uh, the next part. Mindset. Yeah. Let's yeah. talk a little bit about mindset. Sure. Uh, someone like you, you are probably at a whole different level mentally and emotionally where you can have some uh, 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 systems maybe use in your mind. Some happens like instantly in that moment I have a choice to be negative, positive, pessimistic, optimistic. How do you process issues that come up in your life? How do you process something like a disappointment, a setback? What do you think about when you're going through that? Believe it or not, um, I, I really love the science of psychology. I'm not a person to say all you need is positivity. I, I don't think that's all you need. However, it is extremely important to have renewing of your mind to really evaluate how you think because eventually with repetition, how you see things changes. So for instance, because I've been faced with so many obstacles, I don't see obstacles as barriers, I see obstacles as opportunities. If I don't know anything about marketing and I'm going into a venture that needs marketing, here I am embarking on an exciting journey about how to discover an opportunity in that education. Um, for me, when my caregivers, right, they have arms and legs, they, they, they don't think the way that I do in, in a sense, well, if you look at something and there's three reasons why it's not going to happen, my mind's already thinking of the four, five, six, six angles always, God. not just three. People stop at one. Some stronger people stop at two. Very strong people stop at three. But the people who are used to barriers in their life go to four, five, six. It's, that is amazing. Did you... Can you so say that one more time? I, I want you to hear this one yeah, more time. Sure, sure. So you said normal people stop at one. Some people strong stop at two. So yeah. there's a barrier, yeah. but then you got very stronger. strong at three. But then when you are used to those barriers, you don't. You, you're yeah, okay, good. Three. But let's go to four, five, wow. six. Like without even blinking, I'm already there. That is amazing. That you know. So, so you're looking at things that maybe another person's not going to be looking. From the moment we came here, you put all of us to work. By the way, just so you know. That. <laughs> I'm just telling you, everybody was working when we came in here. I was moving the chair. Paul was moving. We picked you up. You came from there. Can you grab my phone? Here's my gum. Here's this. So one of the strengths is the fact, did you actually learn also to leverage other people and ask for help in ways that wasn't a big, because you know, sometimes big ego people are like, I'm not going to ask for help because I don't need anybody's help. How did you make that adjustment? Because at one point, you said something earlier. You said... I ran a nonprofit, Life Without Limbs. I started six companies with a quarter million dollars. I lost 50 G's to a guy. I, I lost closed all down the rest of that money. And then yep. to and then you took, so I lost all. So there was a part of it where you said, I'm going to figure out a way to do this without needing to put money into the nonprofit. Was there a shift when you said, listen, I got to learn how to ask for people for help? It, it, was there something I had to go through with that? <laughs> okay, amazing. On a physical sense first, I normally don't share this much. 
But it's not like I just woke up with this mentality, okay? It is a process, it's a journey, and that's what I tell people. You gotta embrace your life. Do not shy away from obstacles, you embrace it because that's what you learn. I didn't go to the restroom at school from eight to five for all of my elementary school years. Wow. Because I was too shy uh, to do a number two, right? I was too shy. If I had to go, I would keep it in and I would pretend that I'm sick and I need to go home just to go to the toilet. So it's not that I was wired differently than anybody else, but bit by bit, to learn it. you realize you have to learn it. Yeah. Um, asking people for help. So 60 days after my crash, um, someone that I never met, that never heard me speak face to face, knew about my nonprofit, had no idea I was on the ground crying like a baby for 30 days, don't know how to get off the treadmill, gave a check of 120 G to Life Without Limbs. And that's when he's like, hey, come on, I, yeah, I got this, trust me. And so it's not just about what to do, but the timing of things and the knowledge and the team of things. But it's that learning process and people saw that in me. They didn't know always, always how to approach me on that. But bit by bit, my cousins, you know, they- 21 they, of them. Tw yeah, 24 of them. 24, yeah, 24 of them. They're like, Nick, you know, when, when you need help, do it. And the reason why I'm so operational and I can see six steps ahead is because there were too many times where people in my home went to bed before I asked one more time, can I have a glass of water? Uh, there were, you know, there was that uncomfortability of having to wake someone up to go to the toilet during the night. And so uh, I, I wanted to make, I, I had to think ahead because I hated putting people out. And so I have to think ahead and arranging it because if I don't think of it, I shouldn't expect someone else to do it. Got it. And there is a way to ask people, firm but fair, please, thank you, always. And you can be humble but powerful. You can be humble but powerful. And that, my friend, is what you are. <laughs> You're humble <laughs> but powerful. Okay, so here's another question that I think you can give us some uh, uh, perspective on. I mean, I'm sure you've seen with the experience where somebody sees you and they're kind of uncomfortable talking yeah. to you, that reaction that they get, right? Yeah. And so I think one of the things that I'd be curious to ask you about is how big of a role has levity played in your life where, you know, humor, you know, your self-deprecation, the jokes. I mean, the stuff you were saying from stage, we're standing there saying, what is this guy? He, you were not holding back with anything. So what did humor play a big role in you making others around you feel comfortable to? Tell me, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, first, did you see the YouTube video of me dressed up as a pilot and greeting the passengers as they got on the plane? <laughs> <laughs> it's from DFW, bro, from Dallas, Texas. It was awesome. I have not seen It was that. awesome. Oh it was awesome. What was the reaction people had? Some people believe me and they're freaking out. I said, <laughs> we got some new technology. So thankful you could be with us. It was awesome. I got the microphone. When everyone was on the board, on, on board, I got the right. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. They're like, what? All the heads are like, oh looking over like this. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Uh, look, um, my parents said, Nick, you know, people don't know how to talk to you. They think you're different, but they'll see you're not different if you just talk to them. So just talk to them and, and they'll talk back. And so I started that. And then they're like, well, maybe 
say something, be yourself, you know, you're a funny guy. Then I started that, you know, and one day it started coming, you know, a couple one-liners like, you know, hey, it's cold today, can't feel my hands, you know, especially adults. I would always find myself around adults than kids more. I don't know how that happened. Um, I, I, I may be protecting my own self. Um, and stuff like that, you know, kids come up and say, what happened? I say cigarettes and the adults would laugh, you know, and so... Uh, that is, is something that I actually went overboard with at the beginning of my speaking career because I was so still intensely curious and worried about what my audience thought of me the first Interesting. three minutes of my speech. Interesting. So I, I can't even look back at those 2002, year 2002 speeches because I went so overboard oh, and wow. trying to be funny. And yes, they thought it was funny and yes, but but I could see was my insecurity and trying to make sure that we would break the ice straight up. Interesting. So humor is always there. And in fact, in the, in the art and, and, and mastering of communication, humor has to be there to grab the heart. So, so you are known as somebody that's probably one of the best speakers around the world. I mean, you, you've spoken in front of, I think, what was the number, 680 million people have either heard you on a live broadcast, a live event, or uh, uh, heard a message from you. That's a pretty that big number. That was through Life Without Limbs. Uh, over, that's on a faith-based message. 1.2 billion. Total. Total. 1.2 billion. Yeah. Eight, so that eight, means 20% yeah. of the world has seen you speak. Why don't you think a little bigger? You know, like, <laughs> eight billion, eight billion souls. That's why we got it. <laughs> and what is it? Eightbillionsouls.org. What's the do? What's we the, bought them all. You bought them and all. And we ain't selling it to anybody. <laughs> all right. I don't care what you pay. <laughs> uh, but but it is unbelievably humbling when when we are in front of eighteen presidents, ten governments, and they change the law to integrate special needs children into society for the first time. The first president that I met was in Liberia, Madame Malif Salam. Sorry, Madame Salif. Uh, she was Nobel Prize recipient a couple years ago. There are still fifteen percent of the world that still kill children when they're born if they have a disability. Right there on the spot. The mother ostracized from community because of tribal beliefs. Fifteen percent. That's that's very conservative. That's very conservative. Wow. And so Liberian mindset was being trying to change, uh, trying to be challenged in two thousand eight. Uh, it was a speech in front of the Christians and the Muslims, and it's all about hey, we need to understand that every person has value. Um, and so when you when you have those incredible experiences. It's not about how many we reach, it's all about being a good steward of this opportunity that had nothing to do as much with my intellect and how good I am or how smart I am. It's about me believing that there's a greater purpose for each individual and I just want to fulfill mine. And you're definitely, I mean, at the age of 35, to have done what you've done, it's, it's, it's incredible. The man upstairs really using you in major ways. So earlier you talked about, you know, anti-bullying, and you said 40% of teenagers have this thought and, you know, suicide. 
So what do you think about as the solution for us to address bullying? Like if there was a system for you to say, I think these are the three, four, five things we need to think about, what would those things be? Look, it's not just a systematic thing. It's actually telling the truth in a way that people actually come up with their own conclusion. We are not looking at a generation where they're ready to receive your conclusion. Give them a persuasive speech that persuades them to conclude the same thing. So when them, I'm in, them being who them being the students, students them being students, teachers students, okay students got it and so when I'm in front of a school I did this in 290 schools the anonymous survey everyone's head bowed their eyes are closed mm -hmm, their hands are mm -hmm, in the air mm -hmm. I ask them so no one sees their um, their hands the yeses they simply put their hand in a fist. And so the questions are, have you thought of suicide, attempted suicide, attempted suicide because of, su uh, because of bullying at school and attempted suicide because of broken home. 40% of attempted suicide in teenage lives is because of bullying. And when a speaker does that anonymous survey at a school in a school of a thousand people and there were 30 people that just told me they already attempted suicide because of bullying at my school, have I gossiped? Have I spread gossip? Am I a part of that? And I tell him, if I were you and a speaker told me that 30 people have already tried to commit suicide and another 30 because of broken home, do you know who's being sexually abused at home? Do you know who's attempted suicide because of your bullying? Is it really worth it? Because if I were you and I was told that, then I would from this day on, and I suggest the conclusion, never ever be part of bullying ever again schools change and you're doing a program right now in ukraine right you're doing a program right now where the president's made it mandatory for two million kids which is five percent or ten percent of the population to be listening to you while you're speaking to them you're doing courses you're talking about this and they're bringing you in mandatory right, high this. school this is, speech this is education department they're asking me for series of videos for parents teachers students it is a humbling position to be in that is amazing to, to, to be able to do that. Okay, so uh, uh, final thoughts here before we wrap up. Nick, what keeps you going? You think about the bigger picture. What, does, what, what keeps you going? You know, you've, you've touched 1.2 billion people. You've written books. You've heard the magical words from your parents. I love you, I'm proud of you. You got a wife, you got kids. You have kids hugging you when you told that story. You've jumped out of a plane. You've done scoop, you've done all these things. So what's now next? For Nick, what is a bigger picture now with you? We we really want to go out into places. We're looking forward to going to Iran and speaking to CEOs there and whatever unique opportunities Iran. come. Iran, 700 CEOs. We're really looking forward to that this August 2017. Um, we, we want to impact the world. But then there are so many people, Pat, that say, Nick, we want more. We want to know how do you change your mindset? How do you get a balanced life? How do you overcome obstacles? Um, how do you redefine impossible in your mind? Mm. And so we've actually now started at Attitude is Altitude, uh, a personal online course, one-on-one, 25-minute -on -one, modules, six of them, three hours of content where it feels like I'm right in front ah, of you. Ah, that's phenomenal. And we talk about it. We unpackage Phenomenal. it. I go through and everything. it's you, me, just me, step by step, worksheets and workbooks, like I, a master's program, like type a of master's deal. program. And then we hope to do in the future products. Um, people want to become speakers. I want to equip people to speak. People who are wanting to do nonprofits. I'm going to tell them what I wish someone told me ten years ago. Uh, we want to fast track people uh, to their full, purpose-filled destiny faster 
than otherwise. Now, is this course already available or it's coming soon? Like, is there a place I can go to to see it? Yeah, you can go to attitudesaltitude.com. It's available there now. Phenomenal. Uh, uh, that's amazing to be able to spend that. Uh, you, said, you said three hours, six 25-minute courses to uh, 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 learn from you with handouts, similar to master's program. Well, I, I think it's better than master class, to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> of course it's better, right? But I'm going to say it is first class, and I would never do something unless I truly believed it's going to change lives. You know who I am. No doubt about it. No, and I, listen, I endorse it. I'm telling you, if, if any, any of my peers... Uh, 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 CEOs, entrepreneurs call and they want a speaker. You you go out there, the mindset of that entire company organization uh, is going to be shifted. And you, you've made a major impact, obviously, internationally. You've spoken at how many? 65 different countries? 68. 68 different yeah. countries. That's You only got 120 of them left to wrap <laughs> up. You know what I'm saying? But 68 yeah. different countries. And and, and as much as that impacts on that end, I think corporate side, I don't know how much work you've done with corporate. If if if, if you haven't or you'd like to request somebody, I would highly recommend them considering you and contacting you. We'll put the information below, by the way. How about the, 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 the course you're talking about? We'll put the link of that Great. below as well. Thank you. We'll put the contact information on who to get in contact yep. with if yep. they want to talk to you about uh, booking you for an event. And, yep. And you and I talked about a special uh, project we'll be working on together. We'll, we'll announce that here soon to you as well. It's going to be big. It's going to be exciting that uh, we'll be talking about. But more than anything else, brother, this has been a blast to come back and spend some time with you and introduce you to all the valuetainers out there. It's been a true joy. It's been exciting and an honor to reconnect with you. And for everyone out there, whoever you are, whether you're a CEO or a single mother, uh, just trying to keep things together, I just want you to know we love you and uh, never give up, dream big, and keep on going. Thanks everybody for listening, and by the way, if you haven't already subscribed to Valuetainment on iTunes, please do so. Give us a five star, write a review if you haven't already, and if you have any questions for me that you may have, you can always find me on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Just search my name, Patrick Bidavid, and I actually do respond back when you snap me or send me a message on Instagram. With that being said, have a great day today. Take care everybody, bye-bye.